Well, you just heard him. That's right. The Global Threat Report, uh, Global Threat Solutions, the captain's company, peace of mind in uncertain times. Uh, go to that website, valuable site. Not only that, but uh, just uh, a plethora of information regarding Global Threat Solutions. The captain's company company provides just so many services. Uh, for peace of mind in uncertain times, globalthreatsolutions.com. And uh, as he just stated, the captain's brief, uh, the captain's brief, you can hear every. Uh, Saturday morning right here on LA News Radio beginning at 11 o'clock and I had the honor of uh, being the guest of uh, of he and Tom Evans uh, this past Saturday really appreciated that enjoyed it immensely the aforementioned captain uh, Kim Bombay well done and uh, I'll tell you really I uh, was honored to have to be on your show my friend welcome aboard and happy new year and Andre it's great kicking off the new year with Jay Oliver in the morning there you go, man. I'm telling you. We got a lot going on. Cap, you know, I noticed uh, one of the uh, the news cycles yesterday regarding Israel, they're scaling it down somewhat here. Uh, they're uh, lowering the intensity level as far as uh, all that's going on. Is that because they have kind of accomplished phase one here and they're driving force and obviously the, the ground invasion into Gaza and trying to eradicate Hamas? Give me a sense when you heard that as far as a a scaled-down effect of what's happening with the IDF. Yeah. Yep. So, Jay, this is not necessarily the beginning of the end of this operation, but rather this is a transitioning to this lower-intensity operation. But this is going to be one that will be long-term. It's a long-term plan to destroy the remaining elements of Hamas and keep the Gaza Strip secure. And you have to remember, this isn't a sprint. For the Israelis, this is a marathon, and Israel needs to begin rotating troops so that they can maintain this force that's needed for, for long-term operations. I, I would anticipate this is going to go well beyond 2024 in some aspect, some version of this operation. I think uh, Netanyahu is counting on this move to appease the Biden administration and some other global critics of this Israeli operation, and it's also going to allow the Israeli military to develop a long-term plan for security in the region. Because if you remember, uh, Colin Powell had a famous uh, quote that he used called the Pottery Barn Rule. Basically, he said, if you break it, you own it. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. It's, it's great to go in and get rid of Hamas, and they needed to do that. Of course, I support that. But remember, they also were the entity that was running the Gaza Strip. So now you have, you're responsible. You've removed them. They are no longer running the Gaza Strip, and they won't be in 2024. So you're going to have to provide those services or at least be a big part of supporting the Israeli people, all the services they have to get every day, and forming a government and, and providing security. That's the Israelis' responsibility now that this operation has launched. So uh, I guess we're going to, you know, 2024, I think you're going to see this de-escalation, but it's going to be a continuous operation, strategic strikes at Hamas leadership, and also trying to get these hostages back. No question. That is uh, the key to Captain Willis. Now, uh, Iran seems to be, uh, you know, at it again. Uh, Obviously, they're the center point of all this stuff. Uh, With the funding, the situation of Hamas, you see what's happening with the Houthis out of Yemen. Certainly Hezbollah uh, over in the Lebanon region, uh, Cap. But, uh, you know, a a warship uh, into the Red Sea yesterday, that's what Iran did. Sent one of those ships a day after the U.S. killed uh, 10 uh, Houthi fighters uh, attacking some of the commercial vessels. 
Uh, the waters, the contentious ones that separate Africa from the Middle East, uh, Cap. But, uh, you know, we know about the Houthis. They've been at it. Uh, they are obviously an Islamist group backed by Iran. Uh, they have been sending these drones and missiles at some of these vessels uh, in the Red Sea from Ye- Yemen. Uh, and they've been doing this for the last couple of months in response to this ongoing conflict with Israel and uh, Hamas. Right. So, yeah, so this is what's happening. They're stepping up. The Houthis are stepping up this uh, these attacks in the Red Sea. And it's, it's really critical to follow this because it has global implications because of the shipping. Now I think it's four or five major commercial shipping companies have suspended operations. And it's just a matter of time before we start feeling that globally on the economy because of, um, you know, all of the uh, items and mer- merchant shipping that goes through there that's going to cease. And we're going to cease in items. People won't be able to get things, and costs are going to go up. Um, so what happened on Sunday is there was uh, these Houthi rebels were actually attacking and trying to board a commercial ship, and the U.S. sent helicopters, yeah. and they say that they – they actually, the rebels actually turned their guns on the U.S. aircraft, and that's when we attacked, and it was in self-defense. But, I, I, again, you know how I feel about this. I think we need to go to the next level and make these offensive operations and start to strike these, these Houthi sites within Yemen right now if we're going to prevent these things from occurring in the first place. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, Jay. You know, a lot of people don't – we're just starting to learn. This is what happens when people become a problem and a group like this becomes a problem. You start to learn about it. But this has been going on since the 90s, this Houthi movement. Um, and it's just – it's like a, an ancient sect of uh, Islam called Zaydism that they follow. And they had this – their leader was Hussein al-Houthi, and this was a guy back in the 90s. And they all – that's why they call it this. And basically what we're looking at here is a, a, a civil war within Yemen from the president at the time um, and, and this movement right now. And it's been ongoing. But what's escalated a bit is Saudi Arabia supports the government and the, and the president, Ali Abdullah Saleh. And obviously Iran supports the Houthi rebels. And why is that? Why is that, Jay? It's the, it's the ancient rivalry between Shia and Sunni. Saudi Arabia is Sunni. Iran's Shia, so they're supporting their respective sides. But now it's become more of a regional conflict and even has global implications, like I've said. And, you know, you kind of wonder about the response. You and I have spoken about the retaliatory response, and you made a good point regarding the Houthis. They had their own deal going on with Saudi Arabia, and there was a bit of a cold truce when the president pulled U.S. support for the Saudi forces here. But you kind of wonder what's going on right now with the trepidation on the part of Joe Biden. You know, uh, I mean, it, there's been hardly any response, Cap, regarding these attacks, 200 or so, on, on American forces all across the Mideast by the Houthis and these other proxies since, uh, you know, this whole thing began back on October the 7th. You know, you kind of wonder that. Yeah. So I think what we're looking at is, you know, we're in the middle of a presidential election. It's We just began 2024. Um, the finish line's approaching. And the last thing in the world that President Biden and his team want is to escalate a regional conflict in the Middle East. But, you know, at some point, I think that he's hurting himself with this because the world is now watching as we've been attacked, like you said, so many times in the Middle East and Syria and Iraq and now in the Red Sea. 
um, that he seems weak. He comes across as weak right now. And, and at some point, you have to lead. You have to lead and forget, put the politics aside. And I think when you do that, it benefits you as a leader. People see it. It's strength. And right now, he looks weak. And he has a little bit of a track record, let's face it, in this administration of being weak. That We saw it in Afghanistan. We saw it with Putin. We've seen it with China. We've seen it with the balloons coming across our country. The last thing in the world he needs right now is to be chased around the Middle East or, or be reactionary exclusively reactionary with these proxy groups that have been attacking U.S. forces for so long now. And it's a matter of time. We've already lost some, but it's a matter of time before we really see some numbers of U.S. troops killed. He's going to be forced to take action. And I think it's a mistake not going on the offensive against these groups. No question. Captain Kim Bombay with us, the global threat report. That takes us uh, into Ukraine, Russia, where uh, over the last couple of days, Cap Russia launched a massive retaliatory airstrike against the uh, Ukraine uh, border city. This was uh, what was it? Late Saturday, killed at least three, injured twenty-eight others. This was hours, uh, Captain, after the deadliest Ukrainian attack on Russia's soil. All since this war began, as mentioned over and over again, next month will be two years. But uh, dozens of missiles and drones. Uh, on Kharkiv, Ukrainian city. I mean, listen, there is no morality involved. We know that. A kindergarten was struck. Homes, retail shops, a local hotel, housing journalists. Uh, the latest of back and forth between these uh, these two nations in recent days. Uh, and again, uh, we haven't seen a lot of this barrage in a long time. We saw it over the last couple of days. Yeah, they say Friday's attack was the biggest since the beginning of the conflict, the beginning of uh, the invasion. Yeah. And Vladimir Putin said on Monday, he says that he's going to, yesterday, he said he's going to ramp up strikes in Ukraine. He also claims that he's using high-precision, you know, weapons against only military targets, which everyone knows to be false. Um, there was a total of at least 52 people killed across Ukraine on Friday's attack. And now, Monday, Ukraine's Air Force command said that Russia launched a record 90 drone attacks on New Year's Eve. Overnight, 90 Shahed drones were launched in waves from Kursk and other regions around uh, Ukraine, and they came directly from Russia and Crimea. And here's the real ironic part of this is, Jay, now Vladimir Putin has asked for and uh, requested the U.N. Security Council meeting specifically to censor Ukraine because they attacked sites within, within Russian soil, which to me it's one of those things where we, we let this narrative get so far ahead, we forget that he invaded Ukraine. He literally invaded Ukraine to try and take over their country, and he's asking for Ukraine to be censored because they just launched an attack within, within Russian soil. It's, it's childish and ridiculous, and I think it's ridiculous that they're even allowed to be a member of the Security Council at this point. I mean, they've been committing war crimes for two years now, but uh, this is where we stand right now, and there's no you know, no end, no immediate end in sight uh, as far as diplomatic efforts go, Jack. That is for sure. February 24th will mark two years here. We say it all the time. You know, the money and everything else, uh, we agree. Uh, Ukraine needs the aid, needs the artillery. But what is a long-range plan here? That is the key. You can't just have an open checkbook without trying to at least uh, figure out a solution for all here. That is uh, the big question as we head uh, into this new year. 
talking with Captain the Global Threat Report. That brings us to the to the southern border cap, where a record, and I mean a record number of encounters, go back November, December here, over 302,000-plus in December alone. Uh, no end in sight, the surge, the busloads coming into our cities. You look at some of the footage coming into New York City. You know, the mayor is handcuffed here. He hasn't done a lot. Marty Kent has said uh, maybe one of the worst showings ever. Uh, in Merrill history as far as how Eric Adams is performing. The only answer from him and maybe the governor is to expedite work permits. It's just worse and worse than a $25 billion price tag, excuse me, a $12 billion price tag in 2025 if uh, if this thing does not improve, uh, Captain. But uh, the beat goes on and is dire uh, and just completely uh, overwhelming right now. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Jay, we, we cover this all the time. We just covered it on my show. We covered it on your show all the time. And the only big news to talk about today is what you said, 302,000 encounters, which is insane for the month of December. That's a record. And they have changed the demographics, the population of America. You know, over the last few years, the millions of people that have entered this country, it dwarfs the population of so many of our states that they have changed. And that's the strategy. No one could come up with any other logical conclusion for why this has been allowed to happen for several years now other than to change the population and ultimately for these people to become voters. That's it. That's the only logical conclusion that anybody could come to as far as why this is going on right now. Um, but, yeah, the, this is going to also, as I mentioned before, be a key issue in this presidential election as we move into 2024. Yeah, uh, something something has to has to give here. Uh, you, you just can't sustain this whole thing. Finally, uh, and it just happened uh, earlier today uh, at a Tokyo airport uh, cap where a passenger plane carrying nearly I think it was four hundred people burst into a a ball of flames. Uh, it collided with a Coast Guard jet, killed at least five crew members there. Uh, taking aid to victims of a deadly earthquake over the last couple of days. Japan has seen a lot here. Uh, but all in all, you look at some of this horrific uh, video that showed this airplane uh, suddenly burst into flames, touched down at one of the airports. You can see the fireball just spreading across uh, the runway as this plane uh, came to a stop. That is an unbelievable scene there, Jeff. It is. It, when you watch that video, Jay, of this airplane and that fire and that explosion, the big takeaway from this story, the amazing thing, is that all 379 passengers on that plane lived. They got off of that plane, yeah. and every one of them lived. Now, the five or six members of the Coast Guard crew were killed, and I think that was inevitable just because of the nature of the, the crash. They were obviously going to assist people uh, in the south of Japan who were hit by this deadly earthquake. But uh, one thing I'll mention about this is I really believe that that 379 people that survived that plane crash, I think it's a testament to the Japanese people and the nature of the Japanese people. Because, Jay, I fly a lot. First of all, no one in America even listens to the instructions they give every single time. <laughs> when you get on a plane, it's what to do in an emergency. No one listens. They have headphones on, no one on the phone. No one listens. And also, look at the incivility we've had on American aviation over the last several years, fights, drunk people, 
the Japanese people on that airplane followed instructions to the T immediately, orderly, and it worked. 379 people. If you look at that plane, it is amazing they all live. And I think that's a testament to the Japanese people. Uh, 100% right. My goodness. Uh, you were so right, though. We got on a plane, we're looking at our phones, we're trying to download our movies, trying to send that last text and everything else. Uh, but, uh, wow, unbelievable. 379. Live another day. That is uh, some scene uh, going on there. Cap, lots happening. Uh, can't thank you enough for appearing on your show. Don't forget the captain's brief uh, every Saturday, 11 o'clock. You don't want to miss that right here on LI News Radio, and of course, the great company as far as for peace of mind in uncertain times. Go to the Caps Company, com. Very happy new year to you and your family, my friend. We look forward to many a conversation here this year.